Friends? Warning bells, warning bells, ringing everywhere. Telling us it's time to act, there's no time to spare. CO2, fossil fuels, the food we throw away. Talk of everlasting growth has led us all astray. Welcome to Sci-Fi Science Comedy Debate Christmas Special! A green economy are the things we need. Let's plant a billion trees and clean up all our seas. Uh, can I have a cheer? Who in the audience loves Christmas? I hope we do not ruin your night. Can I have a cheer of who hates Christmas? We've got some haters in tonight. We're in for a good debate. Look, you know, we should reflect on the week that was. I, for one, am very excited to see all of Australia really getting in the Christmas spirit. In the last week, we've got the government. They've repealed Medivac for refugees in offshore detention centres, which I feel like really captures and recreates the nativity scene where Joseph and Mary were denied any form of care despite being heavily pregnant. So... That's a good start to the Christmas spirit. Uh, we've got the jolly Scott Morrison who has taken a trip across Australia in his private jet to deliver the nation the gift of the Religious Freedoms Bill. <laughs> a gift that literally no one, not even the Catholics, were asking for. Uh, and across the East Coast, of course, Australians turn to the sky as flakes of people's houses gently descend upon their faces. The sky is so full of smoke. This will be a white Christmas. Whiter than Morrison's cabinet. I'm sorry, it's been a terrible week to write comedy in. To ignore the bin fire that has been the Australian climate change response, let's have a comedy debate! Uh, my name's Alanta. I'm your host and adjudicator for this evening. Uh, it's my job to keep things on the rails and to have us all tucked into bed by midnight. So I'll do that. Now, tonight, as you would have seen, the debate topic is whether or not Santa Claus is real. Now, is Saint Nick an observable, verifiable, repeatable reality? Or is he an outdated myth that did not factor in exponential population growth? Is Santa, if Santa is real, like, there's a lot of questions that we have to answer, you know. If he knows we've all been naughty or nice, like, who is he buying your data from? <laughs> Does he pay award wages to the elves and are they unionised? This is something we need to know. And, you know, what is Santa getting Scott Morrison for Christmas? Would, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Would he please stop bringing him lumps of coal? It's only encouraging him. Here uh, is the team who've had one too many helpings of the Christmas spirit. Would you please make some noise for the affirmative team with Frida Werdiger, <laughs> Yania Gisolo, and Kirsty Wiebeck. And the team who are here to ruin your childhood with cold, hard science is the negative. It's Rose's Wire, <laughs> Nate Byrne, and Andy Matthews. Wow, Andy, you got laughs simply for walking. Okay, no, I see why now, okay. 
The Grinch has arrived. Uh, look, before we kick off, let's, let's check in with our debaters. Uh, we'll start with the affirmative team. How are we all doing? Good. Yes, good. Excellent, excellent. Good. All right. Um, Frida, you're, this is your second time. You've, uh, you've been on Sci-Fi. Um, you can use the microphone if you want. We are, in fact, being uh, recorded for a podcast. You're a theoretical physicist, correct? That's correct, Alanta. Good. Good to get my uh, facts straight. When Frida found out the topic of this debate, she emailed me straight away and she's like, I want to do this debate. So we're going to find out more about what motivated you to do that later in the night. Yanni, we'll, we'll go to you. Welcome to Sci-Fi. Hello. It's my first time. It is your first time. We'll be very gentle with you. Well, there's no front two rows, so I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> they well can skilled. heckle from the back. They are. They've done it before. Now, you travel a lot for comedy. You've performed in over 44 different countries. 45, right? in fact. Oh. No, 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 no. Not over 45. Like, over 44 being 45. 45. It just sounds better when you say it that way. <laughs> was it 100, Yanni? No, it was 45. <laughs> I love it. Um, you must have spent Christmas uh, in other parts of the world. Like, what, what country does Christmas best? Ooh, well, I was in Norway, which is technically closest to the home of Santa, uh -huh. if indeed you believe in that, which we do. And it was a very cold and very expensive and very tolerant. <clears throat> I'm not sure. Not that those three, there's correlation, not necessarily causation. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure which of those three you were highlighting as being the best, but uh, of the expensive... Comedically, comedy. the third, but, uh -huh. you know, ethically, any of them. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome. I hope you have a very good night. Thank you very much. Kirsty, you're also a first-timer sci-fi. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I wanted to ask you, because you do a lot of travel as well for, for your job as a comedian, mm -hmm. what's the weirdest gig you've ever, ever done? Oh, my gosh. Um... I should know, I, people always ask me this and I should know off the top of my head, but I'm like, <laughs> there's like 63,000 contenders. Uh -huh. We'll Probably, wait while you write it down. <laughs> Probably the weirdest one was my dad's like 50-year um, anniversary uh -huh. of joining the Air Force. Okay. And he thought that it would be a great idea to like book his visibly gay comedian daughter and I, when he asked me I was like of course I'll do it dad and I was so touched and then on the plane to Canberra it suddenly dawned on me what I was doing and I was like oh I don't think they're my crowd <laughs> <laughs> and, and were they your crowd no <laughs> I was right <laughs> are we going to be Kirsty's crowd tonight yeah! <laughs> yeah. You'll be all right. Rosa, we'll throw to you. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Sci-Fi. Thanks. Um, now, you're, you're, you've studied pure mathematics, haven't you? Uh, yes. Yes, yep. good. Yep. All right. It's terrible when I get the facts wrong about my team. <laughs> was that useful in preparing for tonight's debate? It actually was pretty useful because pure mathematicians love debating existence uh -huh. of things. Okay. So just at a very theoretical level, like let's not go into the practicalities, but can we prove that whether it exists, yes or no? So it's quite on point. Is it easier to prove something exists or that it doesn't exist? Oh, uh, I think it's easy. Do you need a, a you, whiteboard to do this It's easier to prove that it exists because if you can find it. Uh -huh. yeah, but if you want to prove it doesn't exist, you've got to take every other thing and go, well, they're all not it. it yeah. Everything. The process of elimination so takes a lot longer. It's, yeah, it's pretty hard. 
<laughs> I love it. Okay, well, welcome. We're very happy to have you here tonight. Um, if only to bump up the science side of the science comedy debate. Uh, Nate, hello. Hello. This is your second. This is your second sci-fi. This is the second time I agreed to do something beyond my bedtime for oh. you. <laughs> I've been up since three a.m. <clears throat> As everyone might know, uh, Nate Byrne is ABC's weatherman, so he has to get up and know what the weather's doing before you wake up in the morning, so he can then tell you about it. So, round of applause for Nate being up past his bedtime. In your line of work, do you get asked a lot of Santa-related questions? Actually, yes. And the very first year that I was on air, they asked me to do a bit of a Santa tracker. Which, of course, I was unable to do because he doesn't exist. So I made the job very, very easy. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't steal from your arguments uh, too much now. We'll throw to Andy Matthews. Hello. Hello. <laughs> You've self-nominated as tonight's Grinch. Thank you. For yeah, that. sure. That happened. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck with it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Uh, um, what are you doing in your household uh, to mark the day of December 25th this Well, year? Uh, we have three very, very small children who don't yet know uh, the truth about Santa, uh -huh. but they're all here tonight to learn. <laughs> uh, no, um, I, what I'm learning about uh, Christmas this year is that we have a, um, a, uh, a, a, a real Christmas tree for the uh -huh. first time, and we put it in a bucket of water, uh -huh. right, and... Does this happen to anyone else? Does that water end up smelling like cat piss <laughs> after, like, a day? We do. Yeah, that could be it. Okay. Um, <laughs> thanks, everyone. Uh, that's I think it's actually soaked up your Christmas cynicism. <laughs> oh, which does smell a lot like cat urine. It's true. <laughs> I'm so glad that's the face that your kids get to see <laughs> on Christmas morning. Okay, well, I hope, uh, I hope that the cat urine smell goes away. Um, Thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> so glad to have all of Andy Matthews' kids in tonight. That should be good. Um, now, before we kick off, uh, I will present the rules of tonight's debate um, because we know we all have a lot more fun with rules. <laughs> yeah, you're my people. Uh, now, in the spirit of the season, I'd like to remind all the debaters tonight that this is a civilised debate and uh, they're not to defame the opposition, uh, save your devastating accusations for Christmas dinner with the in-laws. Um, now, each debater has eight minutes. Uh, third speakers have ten minutes to make your argument. If you continue over that period of time, I will start singing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas and All You Will Want for Christmas is for me to stop. <laughs> no. At the end of the debate, the audience will be called on uh, to cheer for the side that they thought had the more superior argument, and like everything in the patriarchy, whoever is loudest will win. So, good to keep that in mind. Um, now I'm going to introduce our very first speaker for this evening. Uh, Frida Werdiger is as covered earlier a theoretical physicist and she is intent on becoming the next best thing or indeed the first best thing in medical imaging informatics. Uh, from the humble beginnings of imaging pieces of sticky tape, Frida is now responsible for developing deep learning algorithms to assist neurologists in their decisions to treat real human beings. Um, that, the Melbourne, <laughs> that the Royal Melbourne Hospital agreed to hire her is a testament to her boundless charisma. 
please make some noise for Frida Werdiger. Thank you, Alanta. Um, I will actually answer the question as to why I was so enthusiastic to do this talk. So, in like some point in undergrad physics, we had this exercise. It was called to answer Fermi questions, which is to pose a, an obscene question and come up with the answer anyway. So, um, one example was, how many times a year can we be expected to be visited by aliens? Um, questions like, obscene questions. Anyway, so that's why I was so keen to do this. It's a lot of fun. I'm very happy to be first speaker on the affirmative because it's my job to frame out the topic, which is, is Santa Claus real? And I've been told that you can't argue with me because it's Christmas time, <laughs> which means that would be invalid. So anyway, I told my son I was doing this and he thought the audience would be confused that a Jewish person was condescending to them about Santa. <laughs> which rapidly became a conversation about whether God is real, <laughs> which we're going to address later as well. And he went on to decide to figure out what would be a valid proof of God being real. Indeed, what would be a valid proof? What does it take to hold a theory, to validate a theory? What is the precedence in the scientific community? And what does not have any precedence in the scientific community? And the opposition, I'm sure, will attempt to suggest that Christmas spirit is just a capitalist mechanism. But I'm going to explain to you that on two counts, I am the picture of objectivity. One is the Jew thing. Never, never received a Christmas present. Ever. Will never. And the other thing... Sorry, I just need a minute. It's difficult. <laughs> and the other thing is a scientist thing. A scientist. I work for the public. I benefit nothing from retail. And regardless, I'm not nice. <laughs> I'm naughty. <laughs> I'm a naughty Jewish <laughs> scientist with no Christmas chair. <laughs> so I'm not an experienced debater at all, so I'm also relieved to be first for that reason. I'm much more comfortable enduring a flood of humiliation from my seat. Also part of the scientist thing, and the Jewish thing. My opposition, uh, uh, Rosa, is also a Jew. And actually, we grew up together, believe it or not. I was in the park the other week and I came upon her brother FaceTiming her mother and I crashed the FaceTime. I said, hi Tilly, and Tilly said, heard you're debating Rosa. And I said, yes, yes I am. But you know what, Rosa? There's only room for one Miss Maisel type in the <laughs> science comedy scene in Melbourne. And by the end of this night, we'll know who has won the mantle. <laughs> and probably my mum will think it's me and your mum will think it's you. <laughs> anyway, don't be fooled by the dashing Gentile faces <laughs> of the other members of the opposition. They might capture your hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, lend me your ears. Lend me your minds. 
let me bend your minds. And if you do, over the course of the evening, my team and myself will leave you relaxed enough to hold on to your Christmas spirit and believing that Santa is real. He's in all of your hearts, and we are here to help him stay in your hearts. I'm saving your Christmas cheer, but only incidentally. Okay, first of all, I'm going to show you beyond a doubt there's a scientific precedence for proving that Santa Claus is real. Regardless of the fact that we don't have an existing theory, I will then go on to show you a theory to explain what Santa is. First of all, he is real, ladies and gentlemen. He is real because his effects are real and measurable and observable and, of course, repeatable. Okay, a scientist agree on one... We agree on one thing, which is that if you have a scientific theory, it can't imply action at a distance is what we call magic. <laughs> you have to prove that something is actually directly interfering locally and causing something to change. I don't believe Santa implies action at a distance. He comes down the chimney, puts the presents under the tree. None of that is magical. It's just kind of clumsy. <laughs> but... I will, I don't need to explain it because I'm going to explain to you something about gravity, Newton's theory of gravity, yes. <laughs> it was never a scientific theory. It was only ever a calculation device. We could observe and measure the fact that things would fall. He never provided a reason that excluded action at a distance by his own admission. And I don't know if you heard this, but we only proved a theory for gravity four years ago. That's over 300 years of us just accepting gravity as a thing, even though no one had ever explained why things fall from the tree. So that's the precedence, right? But I'm going to do one better than Newton. I'm going to propose a theory. I'm going to invoke Higgins for this. I just want to... This is how, if there's a um, physicist in the room. Higgins? Okay, no physicists in the room. Okay. <laughs> so Huygens' principle states that a wave front in the far field, that means very far from the source, a wave front in the far field is in fact not a wave front. It is the superpositions of tiny waves coming from much closer than further away, right? <laughs> when they all act at the same time, they join to make what appears to be a huge wave. It's actually a lot of little waves is Santa Claus. One person travelled a very long way, interfering with all of the chimneys of the good Christian children <laughs> on the same night each year, or, or is a superposition of the smaller fronts originating in the near field, which acting in the same direction at the same time cause a single larger front, which is to say Santa is the parent's he is the force created by the simultaneous actions on the parents. He is a manifestation of Christmas spirit. <laughs> yes, he is a force interacting with your chimney, with your tree, resulting in the placing of the presents under the tree. Ladies and gentlemen, Santa is as real as real gets. Thank you very much. <laughs> Frida Werdegar. I do enjoy a debate that starts with someone deciding to one-up Newton. That is a good start. 
to an evening in my book. Now, before we move on to our next debater, um, I do want to share with you some uh, news from the science world. This week, it was proven that giant tortoises can learn new tricks. Just getting an upper hand on the old dogs, so good for the tortoises. Um, historically, giant tortoises have been considered, you know, solitary creatures with minimal intelligence, uh, but researchers recently found that they can be trained to use a touch screen if then rewarded with a strawberry. That's pretty cool. It's the exact opposite of toddlers who can be trained to eat a strawberry if then rewarded with a touch screen. <laughs> works out. Uh, it was thought that tortoises weren't uh, smart enough to share resources and communicate, but scientists now conclude that a, one tortoise will show the other tortoise where food is by just looking in its direction <laughs> before they just thought they were avoiding eye contact to a... Uh, out of respect for the fact the other tortoise had food in its teeth, like, all the time. You know, again, it just highlights to us man's arrogance. We're always finding out that animals are actually smarter than we originally thought they were. And, you know, humans have always thought that they were smarter than tortoises because they only ate vegetables. They spent a lot of the day napping in the sun. And tortoises thought they were smarter than humans for exactly the same reasons. Now, our next speaker cannot be tempted by a strawberry alone. Rosa studied pure mathematics. Uh, she has made mathematical artworks uh, featured around the world, which is very exciting. Um, she's published academic papers, including one on spherical magnet constructions and designs games to teach maths concepts to students. She now works at ScienceWorks, where she occasionally makes small children cry by smashing liquid nitrogen called rubber ducks. But it's in the name of science. Please make some noise for Rosa's Wire. Uh, thanks, Atlanta. And thank you, Frida, as well. We're here to talk about whether Santa exists. And when I say Santa, you all get a picture in your mind. You picture the, the big guy in the red suit with the beard. And he lives in the North Pole. He has flying reindeer with a red nose. I've had to learn a lot about Santa. I don't know much about him. Is this right? I don't know. Um, anyway, these are some of the things I've heard about Santa. Uh, I'm pretty sure that none of us, when we talk about Santa, are thinking about many simultaneous wave fronts all interacting. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a theory, I guess, I guess. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, sorry, it's a debate. Sorry, that's, that's rubbish. That's ludicrous. We're talking about the red guy. Frida gave a really good introduction there because she did kind of introduce herself as a, a person who works for the public, a person who's Jewish, a person who's never gotten a Christmas present, which are really good reasons to trust her on this topic, all really good reasons to trust me on this topic. Um, <laughs> I am here to show that Santa doesn't exist. I know that as the first speaker in a debate, you're meant to kind of outline what your team is going to be talking about. I'm not going to do that because what I figure is it just gives the other side longer to prepare. I just, I don't want to give away what we're going to say. I'm going to show that Santa doesn't exist and then Nate's going to show that Santa doesn't exist and then Andy's going to show that Santa doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> As a mathematician, actually, I just want to reframe that, that Santa isn't real, that's the topic, that Santa Claus is not real. Um, very, it's, it's important, you guys are science people, you know it's important. 
I grew up without Santa Claus. I didn't know much about him. I've had a lot of funny conversations over the last few weeks in which I've learnt a lot of things that I didn't know, didn't know what I didn't know. I'm going to be perfectly honest, it's a little bit uncomfortable to be Jewish and arguing that Santa Claus isn't real. Like, it's kind of okay to bag out your own culture, but it's a bit awkward when you have to do it to someone else's. It's not, I mean, we, the Jews, we Jews, we already got blamed for killing Jesus. <laughs> I don't, don't want to ruin Santa Claus. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's hard to know exactly where to draw the line, you know, if you're a Jewish person talking about Santa Claus. Like, for example, would it be too far to say that Santa Claus uh, is, you know, an imaginary figure that promotes overconsumption, waste, plastic production, slave labour, <laughs> animal abuse, racism. Have you guys heard about this blackface thing with the chimneys? In, in the, there's a country where they paint their faces black because Santa slides down a chimney and it's... Anyway, look into it. It's uncomfortable. Um, it causes deforestation, has some kind of creepy pedophilic undertones, um, <laughs> a little bit of like spying on, on people and like kind of keeping a big register of data, um, and has caused all the worst films ever created. Um, <laughs> would that be too far to go as a Jewish person talking about Santa Claus? Is that uncomfortable? Um, well, a, a little bit. Um, but look, I'm not here to put Santa Claus on trial. Uh, the reason I'm not here to put him on trial is because he doesn't, he isn't real, so no trial for people who aren't real. Um, but I am quite open-minded, I'm a mathematician, I'm a scientist, and I, so I thought, let me just set out to actually find out, is Santa Claus real? Let me go into this with an open mind. So, when you prove that something is real, that ex exists, either you try and find it, or you um, show a way that you can find it, so we know it exists because you could find it like this, or you could show that if you couldn't find it, then everything would fall apart, things wouldn't work somehow. But to prove non-existence, you have to show that everything that is Santa Claus is not. That's one way you can do it, or there's another way, which is to show if he did exist, there'd be some kind of inherent contradictions. This, this is a world that can't work uh, if Santa Claus is, exists, because there are contradictions in the story. But I, I started a step before that. I started out by gathering some data on whether Santa Claus exists. So I've got it here. Uh, this is my data. It's taken a really, really long time to gather. Uh, it's, it's upside down. You won't be able to read it like that. So, uh, here I've asked a lot of people, a hundred people to be exact, whether or not they are Santa Claus, and what you'll find is a hundred people said, no, they are not Santa Claus. <laughs> so, statistically speaking, a hundred percent of people are not Santa Claus, which I can show on this graph over here. Now, this... This is, it actually took me a very long time to gather this data. I thought that I knew like 100 people and it would be easy. It has not been easy. I took it to the work Christmas party, ironically. I took it to another party. I've asked everyone I know to sign this thing. It's hard to get 100 names. Atlanta, mm -hmm. 
The other thing to recognize is that that means I have specifically mentioned this debate uh -huh. to 100 people who are in your target audience. Excellent. Well, you get some so, permission tonight. I don't know. I know that, uh, I know that it's an audience vote, but uh, I, I did some really good marketing for you. I, I didn't <laughs> say stacking the room wasn't illegal, so well done you, finding a loophole. Um, okay, so I did get a few, a few interesting things on here. I got uh, my colleague Doug, he wrote his name in and then he circled yes that he is Santa Claus. But I have some really good evidence that he's not Santa Claus. <laughs> his name is spelt D-O-U-G, Doug. But Santa Claus is spelt S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S. Not the same, so I invalidated that data. <laughs> Um, I also did get one person writing in Santa Claus and circling yes, but that one was an outlier, so I, I got rid of it. <laughs> Good science. <laughs> I took it to the Christmas party, and as people got more drunk, they wrote in sillier and sillier things. Um, one person said that not only aren't they Santa, but they've never even seen Santa. Another person said that they actually had seen Santa, she saw him outside a well-known brothel in Fremantle <laughs> on Christmas Eve getting arrested. <laughs> if he was arrested on Christmas Eve, how could he do his work? That's like a big day for Santa, okay? Doesn't, doesn't hold up. Am I allowed to go off the record? Can I go off the record? Can you guys just cover your ears for a second for me? Uh, I got someone at the Christmas party who um, was very upset at the level of science I was doing. And we, I work for a museum, so there are some very sciencey people who are very sciencey. I didn't know if he was joking, but he was really upset at how I was doing this science. He was like, this is not, this is not good science. I couldn't tell if he was joking or not. Um, I was like, it's for a comedy debate. I'm just massaging the data. And he was like, you're not doing this properly. <laughs> And I said to him, it's for a comedy debate. And he goes, well, it's not very funny. And then he walked <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, but there we go. That, that's my data. A hundred people all not Santa. If a hundred people I happen to know aren't Santa here in Melbourne that are connected to me, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that it, it's not real. Now, I want to bring another, another point to your attention. If Santa Claus is real, how come... Rich kids get better presents than poor kids. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you're basically saying, if you think Santa Claus is real, you're basically saying you think poor kids are worse than rich kids. And they, they are more likely to steal, right? So, it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. That's why you need to say that Santa Claus is not real. If you cheer at the end of this debate for their team... You are cheering to say that poor kids are worse than rich kids. Now, I have a couple of last points. They say that Santa lives at the North Pole, but Santa can't live at the North Pole because the Earth is flat, as we all know. So that's just, that's outrageous. Flying reindeers having red noses. Well, that is absolutely crazy because we all know that flying reindeers are above the level of the forest and they're closer to the sun. All the reindeers that were susceptible to sunburn died and only the ones with high melanin counts survived, which is why all the flying reindeers have very, very dark noses, almost black. Not this red nose business. That's outrageous. 
Another thing is Santa, like, what does he look like? This is a really big question. Does Santa have glasses? Some pictures he has glasses. Some pictures he doesn't have glasses. Glasses, no glasses. Contradiction. Santa can't possibly exist because no one knows if he has glasses or not. I also want to quickly do a couple of maths points because I am a mathematician. So uh, there's a very famous problem called the travelling salesman problem. It's about visiting lots and lots of different sites in a very efficient path. And it's a really hard problem. Frida's laughing because she knows it's a really hard problem. Uh, we've only solved it up to 85,000 stops, but Santa would have to do more than that number of stops. And if he'd solved the travelling salesman problem, he would be a very famous mathematician. <laughs> Um, and we know that no one could resist being a very famous mathematician, so it just doesn't add up. Um, how does he fit through the chimney if he's specifically a large man? How does his suit stay red? You know, those are just like little minor points. But just quickly, um, I'm just going to take you all back into maths. Who, who, did, who did complex numbers? Oh, gosh, I've got a bad audience for this. It's just you and me, Frida. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, what so, am I, imaginary? <laughs> there are things that are real in maths and there are things that are imaginary and things cannot be both real and imaginary, though they can have real imaginary parts. Um, and I would just like to end by saying uh, Santa is clearly imaginary because he's definitely square. I mean, he keeps all the rules. He's literally part of what is good and naughty. Very square guy. And he is the root of a negative uh, because there are all these kind of awful outcomes of the, you know, capitalist overtones, as you mentioned, um, of Santa Claus. At least one negative. Lots of positives too. But he's definitely the square root of negative, making him imaginary. And even if there's a real and imaginary part, then at the very least, he is complex. And things that are complex and not real. Thank you very much. Rosa Swire. In the three years I have been running sci-fi science comedy debate, no one has done their own quantitative raw data collection. Can I have a round of applause for us? Though your friend is right, like it's not a randomised control trial. Like I would not make it into any academic journal. Let's be honest. Before we move on, I did want to share some more uh, science news with you this week. They also announced uh, that next year, Seattle will be opening the world's first human composting facility. So that's something to look forward to. Um, the bodies are actually covered in wood chips and aerated for 30 days, uh, which is a great way to compost your deceased loved ones. And really gets you out of that situation where you have to call the council and ask whether or not it's okay to put them in the green bin. So, <laughs> that's good. Uh, after 30 days, the body's actually fully transformed into soil, which can then be used to grow new life. And the company, get this, recommends that if you have relatives with a particularly acidic tongue, they're really good for the pH balance around your lemon trees. So, <laughs> keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> It is a great new facility. It does really enable you to actually reduce the carbon footprint of your deceased loved ones, um, which is a literal carbon footprint uh, with my grandma. She, she, had a, she had a wooden leg. So, 
Hey. <laughs> She's dead. She's not going to hear this. Someone who's not dead is our next speaker. Uh, <laughs> I do this job for the segues. <laughs> Yanni is an award-winning comedian and writer who's performed sellout shows across Europe and Australia, and he's currently touring his new show, Australia Says Welcome, parentheses, Conditions Apply. Please make some noise for Yanni. Thank you, Alanta. I am not dead. <laughs> so, that's a high bar to set. You know what? I would pay to come and see a comedian who was dead. Our next act is dead. Fucking, this is going to be great. <laughs> it was very nice uh, to hear from a mathematician, even if her arguments didn't add up. Um, uh, but we have, a, like, we have an actual scientist there. I'm not saying that you're not a scientist. I'm just saying, like, you know, out of the four of us, like, you know, I'm not a scientist, so therefore no one is a scientist. <laughs> Does that make sense? It doesn't, though, but... Also saying, like, I asked 100 people whether they were Santa Claus out of 7 billion people on the planet. It's similarly flawed, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but look, you know, is Santa real? You know, Frieda has provided a thorough scientific provation of Santa Claus, which stands up to scrutiny. And a lot of you are thinking, is provation a real word? Isn't it proof? Well, it was a random collection of sounds that came out of my mouth to communicate a concept, and you all knew what I meant, so the least we can say is it's about as real as the word proof. <laughs> and so we see that what is real is not as simple a question as we might have thought. You know, a lot of people argue whether climate change is real, you know? A sprinkling of climate scientists say that it is, and uh, when I say sprinkling, I mean a proportion such that if, a, if that proportion voted for a candidate in North Korean elections, the locals would go, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> but there are still, you know, thinking people who say that it's not. For example, our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and, you know, he's a member of the Congregation of Yeezy, founded by Kanye West. <laughs> oh, sorry, Hillsong. I get my megalomaniacal narcissistic cults mixed up. And... So who was Santa Claus? Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas, was a man born sometime around 280 AD in uh, what is now Myra in modern-day Turkey, right? So, bam, right there. We can end this debate. Was he real? Yeah, he was real. <laughs> you know, and it does the fact that he's Turkish make him less of a person, you know? Only to my older Greek Cypriot relatives <laughs> whose houses in northern Cyprus are currently occupied by his descendants... But obviously, that, that's not the thrust of this debate, is it? Like, you know, much like the debate about Jesus isn't really whether there was a guy called Jesus, you know, who lived in the Bible lands, was really jacked and inexplicably white, you know. No, the debate is whether he was the son of God. And similarly, you know, the debate about Santa isn't whether there was a guy called Nicholas who lived in Turkey. No, it's whether or not he's not jacked at all, again, inexplicably white. And... <laughs> And after a month of celebrity shopping mall appearances, jingles all the way around the world at Christmas Eve, delivering presents to children with generosity commensurate with each child's competence and zeal at taking orders from authority figures in exchange for material reward. I mean, there's actually a lot of parallels between God and Santa Claus. You know, both are celebrated at Christmas. Um, viewed cynically, both are just ways of scaring humans of different ages into good behaviour. 
And uh, thirdly, the thing that brings us today, people argue over whether they are real. Now, I mean, the main difference between God and Santa Claus, as far as I can tell, is one of the gravity of the rewards that they promise. Yeah? Like, I mean, a puppy is for life, not just for Christmas, but salvation is forever, not just for life. <laughs> Let's start with a very simple illustration of the reality of Santa Claus. Now, I want you all to take a good look around the room into the gloom. Obviously, when I wrote this, I anticipated for light. <laughs> now, many of you, in fact, most of you, are here. You are. And if you want to take a second to confirm that, you do. Check Google Maps, ask a friend if you want to prove you're not at home by calling. You won't be there. You won't be there. You're here. Because tonight's debate was entitled, Is Santa Claus Real? And every one of you read that title, thought, well, that sounds funny, even though I've never heard of the second speaker for the affirmative. <laughs> and attended right there, like immediately a real-world manifestation of Santa's existence, right? More a direct example, when I was a kid, every year, I'd go to bed on December 29th <gasps> with excitement, unable to sleep, because tonight was the night that Santa Claus was going to visit my house. Like, unlike on a weekday morning when I would watch Rumper Room and Miss Alina would look through her magic mirror and, tell, and, and, and list out all the children that she could see, always Anglo kids, never me. No, but Santa, he was a more inclusive thing that I could get on with. Santa didn't care where you were from, he didn't care what you looked like, all he cared was that you were a good boy. And I had been reassured by a litany of Greek yayas, aunties and associated hangers-on that I was a good boy. <laughs> right? And this was the night it paid off, right? I'd lie in bed like this, unable to sleep, every bump, a little jolt of excitement would go through me. Is that him? Is that him? Is he really going to come? Is he there? And then every... Then the next morning, when I would wake up and look under the Christmas tree or near my bed, and there were presents, actual real loot booty Christmas yuletide treasure... And, you know, and, and, you know and, and so basically, are you telling me that my joy, my excitement, my wonder weren't real? Yeah. You know who's telling you that my joy, excitement and wonder weren't real? These humbugs. <laughs> They're telling you that you're not even here tonight. Because what is reality? Like someone once said that reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. And if that's the case, Santa is definitely real because I stopped believing in him in the mid-80s and yet... He's still fucking around, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, what movie came out in 2003? Elf, starring Will Ferrell as one of Santa's elves. I stopped believing in Will Ferrell in 2001. Is he not real either? <laughs> I mean, is reality only that which exists materially? Is that it? Or is reality anything that exists within our consciousness? Now, before you choose, be aware, if you choose the first one, you're relegating the happiness you felt on your wedding day when you held your first child in your hands, that satisfaction you feel when you finish a DIY project, yours and the inner world of every human being that has ever lived, animal or conscious being, you're relegating that to the status of unreal. Now, I would argue that, you know, the, our experience of things is the only thing that we can actually know is real because we have direct experience of it. But, you know, you might argue, well, yeah, well, okay, look, you know, your feelings are real in a way, but what we're debating here is whether or not Santa is materially real. He lives at the North Pole. He does all the things that the Santa mythology tells us that he does. It's what I like to call the Dawkins approach, yeah? yeah. Because apparently Richard Dawkins, one of the most sceptical people on the planet, he doubts there even is a planet. And... Um, <laughs> He said it was wrong to teach children about Santa because it actually promotes an early belief in the supernatural rather than scientific rigour that, you know, basically teaches them to believe 
um, you know, in things that aren't possible, rather than to marvel at the myriad of wonderful, real, mind-blowing things that are possible, that exist in the world. And I agree wholeheartedly, right? The modern world is incredible. And anyone living in 280 AD, when Saint Nick was born, would think what science is capable of in 2019 is tantamount to magic. And that's the other side's argument here, you know, for Santa to be real, it would need to be magic, like actual real action at a distance to use, you know, your science terms and... uh, But I've actually been paying attention recently and what I'm saying is I think using 29 technology, 2019 technology, creating Santa Claus is actually possible. Like... How can we go about doing this, right? You know, he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. Bum, bum, bum. Right? Yeah, thank you. Oh, I've been doing comedy for a few minutes now, but just to sing, singing gets applause. That's great, thanks. Um, I reckon using nothing more than a MacGyver-esque combination of an Apple Watch, Amazon Alexa, and the Chinese government's far-reaching and draconian social credit system... We could create a real-life Santa net, yeah? And for the small price of mortgaging our freedom and liberty to three completely trustworthy entities. Let's say sometime in July, little Billy says a swear word in the privacy of his own room. Immediately, Alexa sounds a loud buzzer informing young William that contrary to what a bunch of liberals told him, language needs no context and that she hopes he enjoyed saying crap because he won't be getting that Nerf gun that he wanted at the end of the year. In frustration, William explains, fuck, and boom, there goes the sweets in his stocking as well. Yeah? Furious, the boy stands up, stewing on the injustice of it all, well past his bedtime. He stays up, alas for Billy, his Apple Watch monitors his vital signs, right? Uh, This is the watch he got last Christmas when he was a much more obedient boy. And he registers this transgression and as punishment, he's now denied Christmas lunch. Oh, so right. You know, you, know, but you might be like, okay, we can monitor behaviour, but what about present delivery? But I've lived in London when you can order stuff on Amazon Prime and it arrives the same day. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, with a combination of Apple, Amazon Prime and automated drone delivery, we could easily de- deliver presents from localised Santa depots worldwide to every single house within that night, right? We could automate the whole thing, yeah? It could just happen in the background. Parents could be as, as oblivious as a mum in a loony comic and... Uh, <laughs> You know, come Christmas, they could just look at their crestfallen kids and go, wow, you just got wood shavings and a craft single? You must have been bad. <laughs> what a perfectly modern system of behaviour monitoring. Right? The best thing, thing is it could be easily expanded to adults too, yeah? Everyone could be monitored for good and bad behaviour and at the end of the year, whoever did what Santa wanted would get their picks of products from Apple, Amazon and China, all without having to result to supernatural thinking, lying to children or any elf and reindeer abuse. Dawkins would be chuffed. And you might think, well, Yanni, the tyranny of the Santa net sounds terrible, but if you utilise the Santa Claus system on your kids, your quibbling is really just a matter of degree. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's pretty dark. Listen, at the beginning of my talk, I asserted that you were all here. And some of the more esoteric thinkers might have thought, well, Yanni, on a quantum level, are we all really here at all? And that's not as stupid and dinner party ending a question as it might seem. (laughs) I mean, I recently read an article that said the entire universe could be a hologram or a simulation, that we all might be bits and bytes in some remarkably advanced alien computer. When such staggering uncertainty abounds, how do we have the audacity to claim what reality 
actually is. Like, we could all be the dream of a butterfly or characters in a computer game. And yes, obviously, to loosen the bonds of certainty like this leaves us open to charlatans, deceivers and magical thinkings, but that's why we have science. But science is the art of explaining reality. What reality actually is, that's, that's a poetic, philosophical question. And philosophically, what we know is that all we know is what we experience, love, generosity, devotion, the nostalgic thrill of smelling the first Christmas tree of the season, the thrill of opening a present from Santa, no matter who put it there. And the agony of hearing, you better watch out, you better not cry for the five fucking millionth time in the month. So these things are real. And that is why, unless you wish to drain all the wonder from the world, why, at the end of this debate, I urge you to vote that Santa Claus is real! Thank you very much. Yanni Adisolo! Hi, this is Holly Hammond, Director of the Commons Social Change Library, with a resource recommendation for climate activists. Facing the reality of the climate crisis can be profoundly psychologically and emotionally challenging. Taking action collectively can be balm for our sore souls, but it's also important to access support and information on this topic. The Commons Library has a treasure trove of wellbeing resources, including some excellent videos from regular climactic contributor and host, Bronwyn Gresham. They include emotional health and our response to a changing climate, and overcoming the top three challenges to self-care. Browse the wellbeing topic on commonslibrary.org or type Bronwyn into the search bar. The Commons is your one-stop shop for resources for community action. All right, break time is over. You've had enough fun. Back to the science comedy debate. My team's gone home because they know we've won. There's no point watching the result. Kirsty's got this. She's got it in the bag. Okay, uh, I'm going to move straight on to introducing the second speaker for the negative. It is Nate Byrne, who also seems to have stacked the audience. Excellent. Really got to put that in the rules. Uh, now, as you've heard, he is ABC News breakfast weather presenter. He's a meteorologist, which I had to practice saying before this debate. Um, he's also a science communicator, um, he's a former Questacon science scholar and he's toured the outback and also was part, he was a Royal Australian Navy Lieutenant. Did I say it right? It, close enough. Yeah, I'm making a call who wins this debate. Now, <laughs> that means Nate has subsequently mastered earth, sea and sky and he's here to master the final frontier of your hearts. Make some noise for Nate Byrne! Thanks, Alanta. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back, Yanni. Uh, nice of you to join us. Um, I did. I did actually want to start with uh, with you uh, because because you did men make mention of uh, a lack of scientists and uh, had a, a real go at uh, a mathematician as if they're not real scientists, as if they don't use the scientific method. They do, and I am a real scientist three times over, maybe four, and we've got another one coming. So uh, you can be assured that this side of the room is bringing to you the truth. And that's important 
truth is incredibly important. Lies damage us. Lies hurt us. Not just the big ones, the little ones. And lies come in a lot of different flavours. There are the small white lies. There are the lies that we tell ourselves to keep ourselves warm and comfortable at night. There are the half-truths. And there are the great big stonking fat ones. Like great big stonking fat men in red suits and white beards that fly through the skies. Which, by the way, are my realm. So, let's go. Um, lies are, are, are really the, the, the bane of our existence. They're the thing that holds people back. And uh, I, I don't want to offend too many people, but I'll be going through a few lies tonight that, that we hold dear. We're taught lies from the very start of our lives. Sometimes it's just to make things a little bit easier. Sometimes they have absolutely no rhyme or reason at all. Mucus is not made thicker by drinking milk. Yep. Science. Carrots. Zero effect on your ability to, you know, see in the dark and improve your eyesight. This government is not doing enough on climate change. You know, just the small lies you tell to keep yourself warm at night. <laughs> Ironically, by telling that lie, they are keeping us warm at night. <laughs> uh, there is a, uh, a, a quite famous, I, I don't know, famous, well-known uh, article from Spy magazine back in 1991. It's now a defunct article. Uh, but it's been reproduced many, many times since the advent of the internet, created by scientists. Um, <laughs> just, just point that out. Uh, uh, the, the article was uh, addressed to Virginia, the state of Virginia. It was actually uh, part of a, a kid's version of the magazine, released uh, around Christmas time. Uh, and it explained that Santa isn't real, why Santa isn't real. Now, 1991 figures need a little updating. I've done a touch of it. Um, so the numbers that I'm saying tonight aren't the exact same ones that were reproduced in the article, originally by Bruce Handy. I managed to find uh, a delightful article from him, I think it was in, the, in, the, oh, in Vanity Fair, where uh, he, he was amazed to find this article he had written decades before it resurfaced on the internet. Uh, the problem of Santa can be just drawn down to a physics problem. Uh, there are the problems of distance and of time. At best, at very, very best, Santa gets around about 31 hours to do his job. Now, that's thanks to uh, the variations of time zones included with the distance around the Earth, uh, the 31-ish hours. Uh, in terms of households, as you know tonight, with, I was going to say two sixths, because my brain is very tired from being up three this morning, but not so tired that I can't convert that into one third of your debaters tonight. <laughs> Maths. <laughs> I don't 
have never had Santa in their lives. And in fact, it's probably something a little bit more like 15% of the world that do have Santa in their lives. Uh, because, you know, you, you can take out the Jewish people and, and the Buddhists and the Hindus. And, uh, a lot of us just don't believe take in out. Santa. From the pool of those it is who may believe in Santa... to take out the Jewish people. Merry Christmas. <laughs> As a good ABC man, I'm just going to let that one lie. Until very recently. <laughs> As a good mass. ABC man, just moments ago. Yeah. Um, no, okay, so... We're, not take, we're taking them out of consideration for those who believe in Santa. Ooh. Thanks, Yanni. Uh, for those who do believe in Santa, we're talking somewhere between 100 million and uh, maybe half a billion uh, households. It all depends on just how prolific those households are in terms of children. If we're talking the, the average, then we get slightly fewer. If we're talking big Catholic families, then we're probably dealing with households in the tens rather than the millions. Um, I'm not of them, but I'm from them, so that's okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we've got somewhere between 100 million and half a billion households. If you do the maths, if you pretend that those households are equally distributed around the world, it turns out, on average, Santa gets around about 223 microseconds per house. That involves travel, parking, always a nightmare. <laughs> getting down, or locating, then getting down the chimney or interfering with the chimney. Thanks for that awful visual. <laughs> Delivering the correct presents, whipping back up the chimney, having consumed whichever gifts were left in the form of cookies, beer, whiskey... Milk if your parents are teetotalers, um, collecting the carrots and then reboarding his apparently open sleigh. Now, the, the problem, this already poses lots of problems, never mind the fact that no man has ever done anything except maybe exactly one thing in 223 microseconds. <laughs> Not guilty. Um... But that would involve him consuming in a single Christmas Eve, and I acknowledge that we're dealing with potentially more than 24 hours here, but something in the order of 20 trillion, 655 million calories. <laughs> Give or take. Now, for those of you that deal not in calories but in kilojoules, as is our want in this country, uh, 87 trillion kilojoules, roughly, which is the equivalent of around about 10 million average daily recommended intakes of energy. <laughs> so to, fact, to say that he is uh, a big, fat man and he's very jolly and his whole, you know, bowl full of jelly situation kind of doesn't cover it. Uh, this man would have to be so enormously huge or be really into purging, probably from both ends. 
probably continuously. Probably leaving a trail of destruction across the globe that would be very, very visible and would provide incontrovertible evidence of his existence. Alanta earlier this evening told me that uh, she'd been copped by a pigeon in the courtyard. Imagine being on the receiving end of Santa. You wouldn't say that was good luck. It was so warm. That is what really upset me about it. I just, I just had this deep connection with the pigeon at that moment that the fluid on me had just very recently been inside a bird. Just wanted to share that with you. And now imagine that a similar liquid, which had been inside the body of a very, very old, very elderly, very huge gentleman, uh, it would, it, it's, I would say, trillions of times worse. Um, okay, now, this huge dude with all... And we're assuming dude, right? It's 2019. I'm not sure that Santa has gendered themselves publicly, so I do feel a little bit uncomfortable um, about calling him a dude. Uh, but I'm also uncomfortable about the interfering with chimney things and, um, you know, cancel culture. So, I mean, for that reason alone, let's get rid of him, even if he is around. But, um, <laughs> big, huge dude, they, uh, driving through the atmosphere. The atmosphere is very frictiony. We don't really notice it when we are living in the atmosphere as ourselves. But try to throw a rock at the earth and it burns up. So too would Santa. He would be. Uh, ex- he would have to experience forces around about seventeen and a half thousand times greater than gravity in his zipping between households. First, he would become a very large pancake, and then he would have to dissipate a few trillion joules of heat energy. Air isn't very good at transporting heat he would instantly vaporise. So this, this was the main thrust of the article, right? There are a few more things to think about. Let's pretend that somehow he's not in, an, in the open carriage that we all think of, the sleigh, where he's just sitting there fully exposed, but he's in some sort of craft, some sort of craft that would protect him uh, not only from the amazing amount of friction, it would also have to protect him from the cold because... Uh, being high up in the atmosphere gets very, very chilly. Now, you don't want to be in the lower parts of the atmosphere because it's full, especially in 2019. There are drones everywhere. There are pigeons trying to crap on hosts of events. And if he's coming to Sydney, a very thick, dense layer of smoke that he would be unable to navigate through. Now... So that means you want to be high. You want to be high up in the atmosphere to get a clear ride because when you're travelling as fast as he has to travel, it doesn't give you much time for turning and inertia is a bitch. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) Um, So, uh, he'll have to go quite high. Now, uh, aeroplanes travel at... uh, I'm going to do it in metrics even though uh, we we use feet in aviation. I say we. I'm a meteorologist. I forecast for them. So, yeah, I'm like a pilot. (laughs) Anyway, those of us who do aviation... um, 
Yeah, we talk in feet, so they, you know, around about 36,000 feet. Let's, let's call it 10 kilometres up, uh, roughly. He'd want to be above that. The problem is that's usually around about the end of the troposphere, a place called the tropopause. So uh, the advantage you'd get of being above that height is that you'd be out of the way of commercial aircraft, you'd be out of the way of most of the weather. Good news there. The problem is it's fucking freezing. We're talking probably minus 57 degrees Celsius or more. Now, it varies. This is actually really interesting. I'm going to stop being funny because I didn't know this until I became a meteorologist. The thickness of the atmosphere changes. At the poles, it's literally smaller because the air is colder. And in the middle of the Earth, the, the troposphere where weather happens is deeper. So cool. Anyway... Um, <laughs> In my humble opinion, uh, on his way up to those great heights, he would have to go through a lot of very, very cold air, a lot of humidity and a lot of frost. So not only would he have to be able to put up with uh, this heat shielding and all the rest of that, once he's up there at cruising altitude for some fraction of his 223 microseconds, he'd have to be making sure that he wasn't encountering any clouds, otherwise he'd be covered in frost. A couple of types of frost. There's a uh, rime frost, which uh, is, is good. That's when you collide with super cooled droplets of water. Uh, they cause absolute havoc. Planes have several systems to make sure that that doesn't happen. There's another type of frost where it comes straight out of air. It uh, moves straight from a vapour to a solid. Maybe my favourite <laughs> type of frost. <laughs> we know. It's called hoarfrost. <laughs> Every time I became a meteorologist as an adult, and every time the very serious meteorologist from the bureau said to me, and hoarfrost, just in the corner you did. <laughs> <clears throat> I was a naval officer at the time as well, so uh, doing my country proud. Okay, so uh, there, there, there's a quick lesson on some, some atmospheric thermodynamics, and don't get it wrong, this very much is a lecture. There will be a test at the end. Um, <laughs> So I, th I think something Yanni was saying, actually, he's kind of nailed it. Kind of. I mean, he's got the wrong end of the stick. Thank, but he's, thank you. He, he's in the right direction. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that the only way that Santa Claus could be real is if there wasn't a Santa Claus. The only way it could be real is if there were many, many, many Santa Clauses. In fact, pretty much the only way to divide up this problem is to put a Santa Claus probably one in every house, <laughs> perhaps two for efficiency. <laughs> Just, you know, sort of take, take the wide distribution of your problem to make it easier. Now, uh, even, even better if you could convince them to do it without having to pay them. I mean, we all know the companies, the big ones in Australia, manage to get around tax anyway, but, oh, you know, to, just to make his life a little bit easier, uh, if Santa was to exist and started hundreds and hundreds of years ago, one of two things has happened. Either it's the one guy that's managed to live that long or it's somebody who managed to convince everybody that he was around and a real thing. There's actually a third option. We just made it up to try to keep kids good. I think... If you want there to be a Santa Claus, there is a way to do it. There is a really good way. You have to find a kid. Someone who needs a Santa Claus. And you need to do the right thing. You need to look them in the eye and lie to their face. <laughs> lie hard enough and hope they're gullible enough to believe you. And then make sure you can be fucking quiet enough when you're dropping off the presents so that they don't figure it out. 
It's the only way because Santa is not real. We live our lives surrounded by lies. Vitamin C, and I do say vitamin, no, I sometimes say vitamin, I don't care, has no effect on colds. There is no wisdom in ancient Chinese medicine, and it is not ancient. You don't get tetanus from rusty nails. I know! But why would it give you? It's, a, it's an infection. Um, okay. John Farnham will go on tour again. <laughs> Sugar doesn't make kids hyperactive. There are times when E goes before I, not I before E. Uh, and the solution to pollution is not dilution. We know this. Other people didn't, believed it, and look where we are now. Don't let that happen again. Santa's a lie. <laughs> the myth-busting Nate Byrne. I bet when you left the house tonight, you didn't think to yourself, I'm going to learn about several different kinds of frost tonight. Just the kinds of surprises you get at Sci-Fi. I look forward to figuring out what to do with that information. Are we ready for our final speaker for the affirmative? Good, because uh, she's speaking next. Uh, Kirsty is a regular on the Australian comedy circuit. Uh, she's been on ABC Radio a whole bunch and appeared on ABC's Tonightly with Tom Ballard. Uh, she went on regional tour through WA this year with the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Roadshow and she opened for Joel Creasy to sold-out shows in Sydney and Perth. Make some noise for the final debater for the affirmative tonight. Kirsty, we're back! Thank you, legends. It almost feels a bit uh, redundant speaking now after the arguments presented by uh, my first and second speakers of the uh, winning team. Uh, sorry, the affirmative team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll be covering off on um, different subject matter tonight. Um, a lot less bodily fluids from me. Y you covered off on poo and spew and mucus... Nate, and you're saying you're a meteorologist? Are you sure you're not a gastroenterologist? <laughs> Perhaps I should be. I'm, I'm, I'm fully into getting another science. Crack on. <laughs> Sorry for that very loud laugh. <laughs> Nate mentioned that they have three scientists on their team, um, making them the obvious choice uh, to listen to this evening. However, we, we only have the one scientist, um, but that's because... Uh, Frida's brain is so big <laughs> and contains so much factual information that there wasn't space for another official scientist on our team. Um, having said that, though, I am a comedian, but I'm here tonight in the capacity of a scientist. We're social scientists. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. And for tonight... Which are real sciences, right? Yeah. Think yeah, of the economics yeah. of it. Uh, it is one yeah. of mine, actually, the, mo yes. the most important kind, yeah. Thank you, one person clapping who's not furious at us. Um. <laughs> Tony Abbott can be Minister for Women. We can be Minister for Science. <laughs> now, firstly, before I kick off, um, I would like to address the audacity 
of the negative team. <laughs> the audacity <laughs> of the negative team who deemed it appropriate to grace the stage of Howler Melbourne tonight, of all places, not two weeks out from Christmas, to try to wreck our treasured holiday. Shame. <laughs> and now to refute uh, some of their arguments. No. Spot on. Well said, well argued, spot on. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Now, at the very start of the show, like before, before we even started the debate, right, just when Atlanta was having a little bit of congenial chit-chat with the members of both teams, Andy mentioned that his children don't know Santa isn't real. And the inference was that he doesn't believe in Santa, which is obviously ludicrous, but lies about it to his three small children. Regardless of what your beliefs were before tonight, can you in good faith believe the team of a man who publicly acknowledges he can lie to three small children <laughs> who he is tasked to nurture and educate? <laughs> Do you want to come around and tell them their finger painting is good? Because you can do that if you want. We'll send, we'll send the wave function over. Look, look, even I was nervous about saying that. So <laughs> my voice was quivering. <laughs> now, Rosa um, also mentioned so, uh, that she grew up not knowing about Santa and had to learn about him um, for the purposes of this evening. And for someone who didn't know much about Santa, she has suspiciously firm views on him. Including, but not limited to the fact that he has pedophilic undertones. <laughs> now, I for one would hate to hear Rose's views on someone that she actually does know about. <laughs> <laughs> also, as Yanni mentioned before, um, ridiculously tiny sample size regarding Rose's data. Um, props to you for doing some quantitative research. Uh, you're amazing. However, uh, 100 people is not many. Um, and uh, unsurprisingly, um, if you surveyed the entire world, everyone would not be Santa except for one guy. <laughs> but would, it, would, would it be a guy? <laughs> might just leave it there. Regarding rich kids getting better presents than poor kids as well, we're arguing that Santa's real, not that his methods are flawless. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying he's a top bloke, we're just saying <laughs> he is a bloke. <laughs> Also, just to address one more of Rose's point, uh, points that she made, um, it's also possible to only require glasses for, um, I don't know, reading, um, or driving, or ordering your elves to make more toys faster. <laughs> I think that solves that issue for you. Now, um, <laughs> contact lenses, contact lenses. Oh, what the hell? What the yeah. hell? Yeah, contact, see, our scientist has just said contact lenses. Uh, you, you can't wear contact lenses in the snow because they freeze to your eyeballs. 
all right, nerd. <laughs> um, I, I literally just made that up, but it sounds real, doesn't it? It sounds real. Did you just come to a science comedy debate with the rebuttal? All right, nerd. Yeah. That's a bold move. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll never work in this town again. I know. <laughs> Now, to quickly reiterate um, some of the arguments so eloquently put forward uh, by my fellow team members, um, uh, Santa's real. That was the main one. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually all I've got as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I hope I said it with enough conviction. Um, (laughs) The massive groundswell of support for him is evidence enough. I'm not here to bullshit you and suggest that he's acting alone and genuinely traversing multiple time zones, as we found out would be very difficult. Um, I'm not saying he's eating all manner of Christmas treats prepared by the greasy little mitts of children who barely scraped onto the nice list. (laughs) (laughs) He's not drinking sips from 10,563,421 warm glasses of beer. He's being assisted by the good parents of the world who are committed to showing their children that the good man is, in fact, real. Because they know he's real, so they're proving it. <sighs> now, um, now prove climate change. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're still behind me, aren't we? <laughs> I know it's getting flimsy. <laughs> also, as Frida stated, she is a picture of objectivity when it comes to this topic which is the main reason we won this debate within the first two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) He's real because his effects are real and repeatable. Uh, Every year the same story plays out. It's because we understand him and his behavioural patterns, because he has behavioural patterns, because he's real. (laughs) It's wonderfully circular and scientific. points that further prove that Santa's real, Um, but unfortunately I didn't understand a lot of them, which which has made it really hard um, for me to (laughs) summarise, but I think we can all agree that she spoke with such conviction, Um, and she mentioned gravity and is also, objectively speaking, the picture of objectivity on this topic, so we can safely conclude that Santa is in fact real and the physical embodiment of the Christmas spirit. Interfering with dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Dot, 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 not being your children. (laughs) As the only stated people believe climate change is not real, proving that it is in fact easy to believe in things that are objectively and factually real. And I forgot to say not. Oh, no, I forgot to say not. Um, I've, I've switched teams. Um, I don't even know where I am anymore. Oh, <laughs> proving that it's easy to not believe, all right? You knew what I meant. You stop it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nerd. <laughs> don't call him that. Oh, <laughs> Climate scientists are experts on climate change and they know it to be real in a similar way to how our resident scientist and therefore Santa expert knows Santa to be real. (laughs) 
If Santa Claus is not real, how come I didn't get a present from him in grade three which coincided with a dip in my good behavioural patterns? <laughs> how can you be punished by someone who does not exist? <laughs> anecdotal evidence, sure, but very robust anecdotal evidence. <laughs> I think we can all agree. As my team stated before, um, this, this, everything could all be a computer game. Reality is a construct. All of this is an, is an illusion. So even if you believe Santa is an illusion, that makes him the same as you and I. And are we real? <laughs> I am certain that I have absolutely consolidated our arguments. <laughs> and what over your hearts and minds. Thank you so much. Self-nominated scientist, Kirsty Wiebeck. Bold move. Bold move at the beginning of a science comedy debate. Uh, we are on to our final debater of the night. Are we, are we sad? Oh, thank you. I am a bit too. Uh, now, Andy is a comedian. He's a writer. He's also an engineer. And he's written for Mad as Hell, The Checkout, Chase's Media Circus, and The Project. Uh, he co-hosts the podcast Two in the Think Tank with Alastair Tremblay-Birchall, who was here at SciFi last time. If anyone remembers. Were any of you here last time? <laughs> Three of you. Good. Okay. Retention is everything. <laughs> Uh, in Two in the Think Tank, Alistair and Andy come up with as many sketch ideas in the time allotted to them as they can. Their record is 200 sketch ideas in 16 hours and 58 minutes, which is insane. Please make some noise for the insane Andy Matthews. Thank you. According to LinkedIn, uh, Frida Werdiger is oh. a... Um, is a theoretical physicist, yeah, and I'm sorry we couldn't get a real one for you tonight. <laughs> uh, her profile states that she has 10 years of experience working with imaging data, allowing her to be part of a team integrating cutting-edge technology to assist with the clinical decision in making for the management of acute stroke. Uh, her profile also states that she was a, a swimming instructor for nine years, which means that if you have a terrible stroke, she is a person to... A go to, um, <laughs> regardless of what kind, but you, th you, you would think that she would be able to recognise the, the warning signs of somebody who was floundering and going nowhere. <laughs> she talked a well, lot about waves, she mentioned oh something God, about... Which just goes to prove action at a distance. Mm. <laughs> she talked a lot about waves. She talked about superpositions. Uh, I think I have about $3,000 in ethical super and a couple of hundred with Vic super. I'm thinking of rolling it together. Um, uh, position... Uh, um, she, she said that Sandra is your parents. That's our argument, but thank you. Um, she seemed to suggest that small things can add up to, a, a, in some way, contribute to a big thing. Um, I, uh, anyone who's looked at Australia's climate change position would disagree that that is true. Um, 
They do that by interfering with one another mm. to make up a big thing. I don't know what to say about that. Um, <laughs> well, that that's our argument. Mm. Well, you can keep it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm supposed to rebut the host, but um, I would just like to point out that Atlanta, you missed a couple of good puns. Um, If uh, giant terrapins are um, capable of being taught tricks, uh, then I guess they really taught us a lesson. No! That is ten points off to the negative. It's nice, it's nice that at a Christmas show we have a cracker joke. Mm. <laughs> and increase the sum turtle of human knowledge. Um, <clears throat> Yanni, I guess I'll lose. Um, I went to your Wikipedia page. Um, well, you're on the internet a lot, huh? I'll read this to you. Um, Yanni, born 1978, is an Australian-born comedian based in the United Kingdom. His comedy is structured and erudite. And we saw the same way with words that went into writing his own Wikipedia page. <laughs> in his presentation tonight. Um, although I would like to pick on a few things. Um... Uh, he said we are all here, although anyone who's looked at the front row would know that some of us aren't. Um, he said that a puppy is for life, not for eternity. Um, as uh, the owner of a puppy, he's obviously never stood outside at 11pm in two degrees temperature in your underpants waiting for it to do a wee. Um, that alone lasts at least eight eternities. Um, he said that the fact that he experiences joy, excitement and wonder at Christmas means that Santa is real. I experience joy, excitement and wonder every time there's a new leader of the Labour Party, but that does not mean... That the Labour Party is real. Correct. <laughs> I can do the rest of his set if you want. Uh, he said that if, even if Santa isn't real, we can make him. Uh, that's beside the point. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, we can do a lot of things. I can put down my phone and pay attention to my children. That does not mean that I will. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, Kirsty seems to believe that our position is fuck Christmas. Um, that is not our position. It may be my personal belief, but that is beside the point. Uh, and she ended with saying, um, how do we know that we are real? Save it for your bong-ripping friends. Santa is not real. Santa is a convenient uh, fiction designed to distract us from the real enemy, wasps. Santa is not real like the Easter Bunny or the Queen's Birthday Squid who goes from house to house swimming through the toilets delivering baby bell cheese to all the dads who remember to rotate the tyres on the station wagon. Santa... People who believe in Santa can't even get their story straight. I mean, was he invented by Coca-Cola? Surely if Santa had been invented by Coca-Cola, his name would be Santa Claus. Santa Claus. 
Santa Claus is like climate change, which is to say that small children seem to believe in it more than adults. <laughs> Coal is for naughty people. Both can be stopped if we don't have as many chimneys. And also, he gets hotter every year, am I right? <laughs> no, but seriously. Um, uh, yeah, um, you know, as, as, as Rosa pointed out, I even if Santa was real, uh, he would be cancelled. Like every famous person you admired as a child who had a weird relation with relationship with children, Santa is definitely a pedophile. But more importantly, if Santa Claus was real, then why are there no sightings? Where is the shaky mobile phone footage? Even Bigfoot has the Patterson-Gimlin film. Well, I have combed the literature looking for a single eyewitness account of what Santa Claus looks like. And um, this so-called real person. Uh, he's everywhere. Way, he's at my... Uh, he's everywhere. He's at... You go to Melbourne Central, he's sitting right there. He's everywhere. That's... Burke and Lonsdale Street, Meyer. We took our children to see Santa Claus and we, um, we almost went into one door and then a person stopped us really suddenly after I'd seen in and seen Santa Claus and moved us into a different room with a different Santa Claus because the first Santa Claus was getting changed. So your argument is since there's two Santa Clauses, there's no Santa Claus. Correct. Because, because, right, right? If I understand the superposition of waves correctly, the two Santa Clauses would overlap and cancel each other out. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You can interfere with one another. Constructively. Why are you so anti-science? Um, I am going to start referring to lovemaking as constructive interference. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was going to start my speech, but I probably run out of time. You have as much time as you do. Oh, OK, great. Well, it just gets more boring from here. Um, <clears throat> So I have found, managed to find one eyewitness account of Santa Claus from a man called Clement Clark Moore, and I would like to read it to you, if I may. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. This seems unlikely, and is an unnecessarily bold claim to make. How could this person possibly know whether or not there was a mouse stirring in the house, given that we know that mice are nocturnal, and last year, 4.2 million Christmas dinners were wasted in, in, Eng in Britain alone, uh, including 17.2 million Brussels sprouts, 11.9 million carrots, 11.3 million roast potatoes. And that's just at my house, am I right? <laughs> no, I said it was in Britain. Um, but surely, given all this wasted food, mice would, if anything, be overactive in this festive period. <laughs> All we are learning from this opening statement is that, conveniently, there was no-one else awake to corroborate this story. <laughs> the stockings were hung, by the were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. Fine. OK, sure. But you see what is happening. He's expecting Santa Claus, right? And expectation informs what you see. OK, st st 
studies, psychological studies, have proven that if you expect to see something, then that is what you will find. I mean, I assume that's what studies have found. I haven't actually looked at any of them. But I expect that they would show that, and so I'm sure if I looked at them, they would. There's one called the McGurk effect. It's got you covered. All right. Trust me. I'm a scientist. Um... Yes, you said several times. Um, it's kind of my only gambit, man. Just waiting for you to call him a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> the children were nestled all stru- snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. It's not possible for the narrator to know this. Projecting behaviour onto others is a classic sign of a lie. Um, <laughs> And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. They're wearing hats to bed. They're psychopaths. <laughs> when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. What was the matter? Okay, I'm jumping ahead here, but we are about to hear that there was new fallen snow outside. And spoiler alert: that clattering is supposedly coming from reindeer hooves. Um, but spot the problem. Okay, snow is known for its sound muffling properties. So. <laughs> That's unlikely. Um, away to the window I flew like a flash, threw up the sashes, threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. This man has never seen the moon or the sun. Um, uh, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. Okay, look, uh, he also doesn't understand the difference between things that are small and things that are far away. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St Nick. And then it goes on. He seems to somehow remember all the names of, of, of all the, the reindeer, even though he's only heard them once. I, 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 don't, I don't know my wife's name. <laughs> I heard it once early on, and I have not had the courage to ask again. <laughs> but how does he remember all six of these, these reindeer? I think it makes you both unreliable narrators. Yep. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly when they meet to an obstacle mount to the sky. I don't have a single criticism of that rhyming couplet. That is the most beautiful two sentences ever written in the English language. Um, Okay, so up to the housetop, his courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys and St Nicholas too, and then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. Okay, so what are they? Are they hooves or are they paws? Okay, get your story straight. Um, and he could hear the prancing. I mean, what does prancing sound like? Or perhaps, perhaps the opposition would care to demonstrate the sound of prancing. This is the sound of prancing. It's Death Cab for Cutie. You know the song. Anyway, this is really diminishing returns. Um... <laughs> I could fucking go through this whole thing. Um, uh, apparently, his, 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 uh, <laughs> he had a broad face and a little brown belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. A bowl of jelly doesn't wobble. A plate of jelly wobbles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Andy, you could skip a page. I have. I have. I've skipped about eight. Um, what am I doing? I bet you uh, wish the professor didn't give you an extension, huh? Yeah. Um, it is almost Christmas time. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, he was chubby and, chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. Okay, now he's a fucking elf. 
All right. He's an elf, and his workers are elves. Does that make Santa some kind of like queen elf who gives birth to all the baby elves? And then like, you know, every 12 months feeds one of those Santa jellies so that it becomes the new Santa. I mean, this is actually a better system than anything they've proposed. Um, okay, then, you know, this is right near the end. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. Okay, this is way too late in the piece to be putting people's minds at rest when you're invading their homes. If, if Santa is visiting America, he is already dead by this point. <laughs> Um, la da 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 da. And we're supposed to believe that nobody else has ever seen or heard this thumping, crashing, shouting, drunken, drunken lunatic ever. So are we talking about not. Santa or? Uh... Uh, finish the sentence. I'm not going to do all your punchlines tonight. That's true. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. I jumped in. It was ill-advised, and uh, I'll back out. It takes a big man to admit when he's wrong. Um, <clears throat> so, um, you've heard from our, uh, the other members of our team. Uh, Rosa said that Santa isn't real. Nate said that Santa isn't real. And I have said that Santa isn't real. <laughs> if, he was, he'd or, if, he, if he was real, he'd already be dead or cancelled. <laughs> Thank you very much. Andy Matthews! We've reached the end of the evening. Shortly, the responsibility will befall you of deciding who's tonight's winning team was. But firstly, do you have any shows to plug before I do my final roundup of arguments that we have heard on this fine evening? I'm doing a show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival next year, as you heard. It's called Australia Says Welcome, Conditions Apply. Yeah, it's about Santa. <laughs> It's not, but it's about people who arrive from afar. <laughs> Spoilers alert. Go on, Kirsty. Uh, I'm doing a show at uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival as well. It's called Gosh. Um, you can get all the information off my socials or whatever. Um, it, it genuinely is about Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and we all, after tonight, need more of that. Uh, anyone on the negative team? Uh, Frida, did you have anything you wanted to plug? No. Well, one day I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do one one day. Okay. Well, next time. That's all I have all to right. say. Next time. Come to ScienceWorks this summer. It'll be fun. <laughs> nothing. Nothing I have said tonight is anyway a representation, a representation <laughs> of the views of Museums Victoria. <laughs> Over to you. Ditto the ABC. Uh, <laughs> Which you already pay for. And uh, so you should watch us because we're not going to try to sell you anything. Just tell you the real news and the weather. Um, I don't just read the numbers. We're there for you guys and we'd love for you to watch. Every morning, ABC News Breakfast. Yay. Uh, hello. I'm not normally this mean. I frowned when I came out and I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> Uh, I do a podcast called Two in the Think Tank, which you mentioned, so um, chuck that a listen if you want. And I'm doing a show uh, with Alistair Trombley-Bertrand at the Comedy Festival next year called Teleport. We play two engineers who have accidentally invented a teleportation machine. Uh, thank you. Yes. Excellent. Mainstream stuff. <laughs> I'll share all those links on the page tomorrow. Now, before you decide who tonight's winning team is, I, I will walk you through some of the key and fundamental 
very sensible arguments you've heard this evening. Uh, we started with Frida, who instantly took the debate from whether or not Santa Claus is real to whether or not there is a God. Which I can agree uh, gave us all theological whiplash. It's a great way to start a comedy debate. Um, <laughs> she went on to say that Santa is real as long as you define Santa as a simultaneous wavefront in the shape of parents. Which was a cheeky start to a debate. Uh, then we had Rosa, uh, who... Uh, <laughs> well, Rosa did a lot of things. Um, <laughs> Rosa apologised for the death of Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't think she used those words specifically, but I felt that that was the intent of what she was saying. Um, now, she's made 100 new friends, which is great. Uh, and her main argument was also that Santa is a pedophile and that... Uh, In defence of that, he asks little kids to sit on his lap and offers them treats and asks if they're naughty or nice... Parents deliver the children, so if anyone should be blamed... It's true. Unfortunately, in today's society, arguing someone is a pedophile makes them more real, not less. So that was the main problem with that argument. We've won! <laughs> Yanni took us through his childhood uh, and he said that the, our experience of something is the only evidence that something really exists, which gave me the experience to believe in the evidence that the affirmative are mainly using the low poles of arguing that Santa is real by redefining both Santa and real. Well, if you want to use your traditional definition of real, <laughs> fine. Uh, then we had Nate. Uh, now, Nate actually ran the numbers on, on New, uh, Christmas Eve, which was... But basically, some of the very few bits of science brought into this evening. I also argued it could only be real if there was a Santa in every house, which was the point that I did start to suspect that Nate and Frida had been conspiring before the debate to throw the whole thing. But I'm still, still not sure in which direction. Uh, Kirsty declared herself a scientist, which was a, a boss move at a, at a debate... With a room full of scientists, she questioned Andy's fathering qualifications. And uh, <laughs> that's about all I have for Kirsty. And That's all I said. <laughs> Andy said uh, many, many wonderful things, but after he said the phrase, Queen's birthday holiday squid, I <laughs> lost all concentration. <laughs> and I'm still not sure what's going on. This is the point when I am throwing it to you. Now, if you believe that the evidence presented tonight completely confirms in your mind the existence of Santa Claus, please make some noise. All right, okay. If you believe, <laughs> based on the evidence presented by the teams, uh, the team, the negative team, I'm lost for words by this point this evening. With a superior team tonight, make some noise. Nah. <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> now, it's because they warmed up. 
They did a warm up well, and then it was bigger. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely, Kirsty. That is what I was going to say. Unlike the lack of rigor in Rose's scientific research, I have done this before. And uh, all you have to do if you want the negative to win is cheer louder than the first cheer. So we're going again. If you thought the affirmative with the better team tonight, make some noise. Yeah! Woo! And the negative. I award tonight's debate to the negative. And just like democracy, half, if not more of us, are unhappy with the results. Thank you so much to all of our debaters for a brilliant night. Now, <laughs> if you want to go back over tonight's proceedings and figure out exactly what the Queen's birthday holiday squid is, uh, the wonderful people at Climactic FM, the podcast, have recorded tonight, so you can go and, and listen to it again and share it with people you care about. Um, uh, enormous thank you to Howler Melbourne for having us. Yeah. Big thank you to Rob on sound. And if you did not have a thoroughly awful time, you can jump on scifight.com.au and click the subscribe button and I'll let you know when we're going to do this again. You have been a delight. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Good night! You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Climate change is coming to town. There's something we missed, forgot from our list Something real nice and that thing is ice Climate change is coming to town I know it isn't easy I know it seems unfair But we've got all a job to do For the children everywhere, so you better get smart and make a new start It's time we all started playing our part Cause climate change is coming to town Thanks to Camilla Palermo and Musicians for Climate Action for those climate carols. You can find links to that wonderful group in the show notes and they organize flash mobs and musical performances all around the world. They're a great group for you musicians out there to find like-minded people in your space. And our thanks, as always, to Atlanta Collie for letting us bring you this sci-fi science comedy debate. If you're around Melbourne or any of the cities where sci-fi is being held, it's honestly one of the most fun ways to spend the night with science. Look out for more sci-fi and more from Atlanta specifically in 2020. All right, folks, this has been our holiday special. I hope you've enjoyed it half as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. This won't be the last episode for the year. We will have one more coming to you before Christmas. But then on Christmas, we're kicking into something special. The Climate Podcast Showcase. Now, if you're following us on social media, you've probably seen this by now. But if not, I'll just tell you quickly here that instead of taking a break this holiday period, we're instead bringing you 14 solid days of episodes of other shows from Australia's climate community. It's something really special. It's going to be really fun, and I can't wait to bring it to you. Find out more information at www.climactic.fm slash climate podcasts. 
And you can also find a link there to vote for our episode of the year, which this year is a listener's choice. That's right. It's up to you. I have no control. I'm so terrified. Please don't pick one of mine. Please pick any of the other amazing hosts who've done amazing episodes. I I don't want to hear myself again. I want to hear one of theirs over the holiday parade while I'm having some time off. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the amazing year that has been 2019 uh, and also horrifying and depressing and in many ways awful. Uh, but here's to 2020 and doing better. Let's do that. 2020 hashtag let's do better. One more coming at you before Christmas. Until then, take it easy. Good luck. Stay safe out there. We love you. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective, a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. You can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening, and from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times. The Climactic Collective.